Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that came here to critique old television and chew bubblegum and is all out of bubblegum. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, I'm Dan Ludwig. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm What's going on? Good! I mean, do I actually say how I am because it's really bad, but for boring reasons? No, but I'm doing good, Marty. Cut that last part out. I'm doing great. Absolutely not, friend. Absolutely not. Um, we got a couple of episodes of the Andy Griffith Show for you today that are not interesting to the average person, but... In the context of what we do, fucking fascinating. Yeah. Just like like a Rosetta Stone. In, in the context uh, of things. the mythos we're crafting, incredibly important. But first, I would like to hear a cute, wacky animal story. Dan, you got any cute, wacky animal stories for me? So fucking lucky, Marty, because I happen to have the ultimate cute... An- not the <laughs> ultimate. I have a cute animal story. Um, okay. All right, buddy. Okay, so I texted you... I, a couple of weekends ago of I can't tell you the full story now but a kangaroo stole my wedding ring and I was like yeah man a, a dingo ate my baby what the fuck are you talking about what so for uh a, as a birthday present to my uh my now wife um I got her I got us a trip to the Barnhill Animal Preserve which I highly recommend if you are able to get to the southern border of Delaware, it's right on the border of Maryland. Um, it is like a small animal sanctuary. They do like rescues. So basically like some jackass bought a, uh, bought a camel and then couldn't take care of it. So now they take care of the camel. Um, That's good. I was worried when you showed me, like I was worried you were getting into some like, like Tiger King, some Joe Exotic shit. We pulled up and I was like, oh, fuck, I got us tickets to a Tiger King. Shit, this is going to be grim. But no, they were like, no, no, we know what we're doing. We got like we didn't like ship a camel overseas. We like got this through like responsible means. (laughs) Acquiring a camel completely above board. Just on the books. We have papers for this camel. Yeah, because we uh, we rolled up and we were like, "Okay, that's a camel. We are not in a tropical atmosphere. Is this fucking okay?" Saharan. Yeah. Saharan. Uh, tropical is jungle. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so this is like this is like these are repossessed from Jungle King. Basically, from, from yeah. Tiger they King, they right? are they're the big cat rescue from uh from jungle from Tiger King. Um, Still not great, but all right. Yes. Not, not not the example you want to use. Yes, not the uh, example you want to uh, use. One of those that is a more ethical version of that. It's an animal sanctuary, but okay, um, okay. I'm on, I'm on, I'm bored. So we pull up. I got us um, swimming with the otters, which is what it sounds like. You you get a tour of the of the preserve. You get to meet all of these animals. And then at the end of it, you get in a heated pool with two otters that will run around and fight each other and, like, climb all over you and stuff. I was wondering about this. That sounds adorable and, like, a lot of fun. But otters have claws. Oh, they like, and... they don't use them on you. No, but their claws are, like, cat claws at best. Like, they have little, like, dog claws. Cats, 
Cats can scratch the shit out of you. What are you talking about? Cats can scratch the shit out of you. Mostly they just wanted to fight each other. Like, we got into the pool and they were like, all right, so these two haven't seen each other in a while. And, you know, when that happens, they're going to want to, like, beat the shit out of each other for, like, 15 minutes. So just let them do that and then they'll get bored and they'll come play with you. (laughs) And that happened. But like, and they were doing I, like, 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 like your friends from college. Yeah, but they were doing, they were doing that. And they did that, and then they would come over and like swim. One of them would like come swim over to us and like rest their head on B's shoulder, and it would be a really cute moment. And then another one would just come into nowhere and be like, "Pile driver, bitch!" Like as soon as <laughs> one of them would start being cute, the other one would be like, "Let your guard down, idiot!" Bam, and then like. <laughs> They would just be going again. The only, like, picture I got with them, like, uh, Brianna got a picture of, like, one of them, like, draped over her shoulder and, like, uh, and, like, falling asleep. And it was just because the other one had been winning too much lately. So he was like, fuck it, I'm getting on this shoulder. But the only one I could get was just, like, an otter doing a jump off of me so he could spin kick his brother in the face. That's cooler. That's way cooler. It was sick. Um, I basically was just the arena for a protracted otter fight. Like, I was a Super Smash Bros. stage while two otters just beat the Christ out of each other. Dan's nipples, no items. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) An otter hit it, like, an otter just on one shoulder and another one on the other, and the otter just throws a home run bat at him. Uh, but yeah, so we met camels, armadillo, we got to feed, uh, lettuce to sloths, we met a capybara. Big one before we met, uh, the otters was we, they had a bunch of kangaroos in, like, a large open air, not, like, full-size, like, man-size kangaroos, but, like, kind of, you know, basically shoulder height if they're standing all the way up. And, uh, one of them was a little bastard named Loki, who uh, liked to go through people's pockets when uh, they weren't looking and, like, basically try to, like, take your shit off of you. Well, yeah, no, he think he thinks you're keeping babies in there. Yeah, I think he was... Because he's a kangaroo. Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna steal some fetuses off of this person. <laughs> give me your, give me your babies. <laughs> Just, I'm, go, off of all empirical evidence, you got a little baby in here and I'm gonna snatch that fucker. Uh, but I had, like, a sweet moment with Loki where, like, he came up and he, like, held my hands and, like, I held hands with a kangaroo for a minute. Before we got in the otter exhibit, they were like, all right, by the way, you know, they like to grab stuff, so take off any hats, uh, necklaces, anything you don't want, like, the otters to grab. And we get to the end, we're going to the gift shop to buy, like, some I Swam with the Otters hoodies. And we're walking out and I'm just like, where's my wedding ring? And we, like, start freaking out and, like, searching. Like, we check, like, maybe I left it in the car. Or we, like, and we search around the gift shop. We look around the whole premises. And, like, we're talking to the the girl at the front desk and be like, have you seen, like, a wedding ring? Has anybody turned it up? And she was like, did you go into the kangaroo exhibit or the otter exhibit? And we were like, yeah, we swam with the otters. And she just, like, really tired, just goes, like, Okay, so the kangaroos or the otters could have stolen your wedding ring. It could be either one. Did you meet Loki? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and and they were just like, yeah, so uh, the otters and the kangaroos like to steal stuff. 
Uh, you should put up giant signs. You should do giant signs. There should be like cubby holes and lockers. Like you should just be if, if when you when you meet Loki, you should be naked. Yes, they, there should be an informational video of like you're about to meet Loki. He's a little bastard who likes who will actively be trying to rob you the entire time. He like tried to get my wallet at one point. Like he could have made off with so much worse. Um, but yeah, like and, and I had the flashback after where I was like. I was holding hands with that little fucker. He could have been doing like a like he an old timey like Oliver Twist ass cam of like, oh yes, sir, let me hold my hands. And then when I'm walking away, he's just palmed my ring. They found it later. I they didn't tell me where they found it, but they were like, we found it. We're gonna ship it to you. I don't know if it was. Yeah, like, I, I noticed that you're wearing your ring right now. Yeah, like. which we were just like, I, we were just like, oh fuck, I'm gonna have to like wear one of those shitty plastic ones until i can afford a new ring but that's that's very funny i will say this though like a kangaroo stole my wedding ring is the most like bullshit off the top of your head why aren't you wearing your ring at this hotel bar yeah kind of fucking excuse i've ever heard dude (laughs) i i I can't help but notice that there's an a, a wedding ring indent on your finger what what happened to it? Kangaroo stole it. Tell me more. Like the 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 only only way you can pull that off. There's, there's only one dude who could have pulled that off, and that would have been Steve Irwin. Yes. Yeah. Like Steve. Like, if Steve Irwin tells you that a kangaroo stole his wedding ring, you'd be like, "Oh, Steve." I, if anything, I would kind of be like. I would call bullshit on that, and I would just be like, it's inside an alligator. Like, a hippo has it right now, right? Like, it's, it's yeah, that was, in that a was the clean version, right? You're waiting yeah. for a hippo to shit it out. That is what's happening. <laughs> you ever look at, you ever see uh, his son's Instagram, or his son's videos, right? Doesn't he have one about how he forgave the stingray? I hope he did. Yeah. I hope he did. I mean... Look, he he and his uh quick quick little uh sidebar to uh, talk about the crocodile hunter. Uh, you know, he and his sister are continuing their dad's legacy, which is you know very sweet and very you know teary eyed. But like, he had to turn off his Instagram comments because I like everyone saw a video pop up. Uh, because like, no matter what he was doing, he would be like, "Oi, look at this koala that we just got at the zoo," and then the comments would just be full of just like. You look just like your dad who died. Remember when your dad died? Hey, remember your dead dad? And it's just like every single comment is just talking, just reminding him of his dad. And at a certain point, it's just like, yeah, the man knows his dad is dead. I. To be fair, though, he looks exactly like his father. It's very weird. Um, I, I had a friend in uh, high school who right after it died, like not right after, but the following Halloween went as Steve Irwin being impaled by a stingray uh, as Halloween, and he had to go home and change, not because a teacher made him, but because it was provoking such, like, a instant and vicious rage in everybody that saw it. Like, people would be walking down the hallway, and, like, from across the hallway, just be like, Fuck you! Fuck you! Take that the no. fuck off! Like, people no, would, like, I want to travel back... I want to travel back in time and kick this eighth grader's ass. Yeah, like he, like he was, 
he, he, yeah, he was like, okay, I'm bailing. I'm bailing on it. Like, he... And... It's it's genuinely amazing that that kid did not get the shit beat out of him. It like, came close. I think he made it until, like, fourth period but, before fourth he period. was like, okay, bailing on this. Bailing, bailing. Been watching too much well, yeah. South Park. I thought this would fly. Yeah, yes, because uh, fourth period is right before lunch. Yes. Right? So he he could not make it to lunchtime. Lunchtime, people would be waiting for him. Yeah, like, just a, a, a typical high school bully in a letterman jacket just beating the shim and be like, He brought light into all of our lives! He was friend to animals! What the fuck is your problem? Hey, nerd! Yeah. You want some of this? Get in on this! And, like, just some, some like, anime nerd or, like, this computer, eh, eh, this, <laughs> this is what you get for disrespecting a great man! Eh. Hey, this guy hates the majesty of nature! Get his ass! <laughs> Theater kids, get over here! Then they just, like... Yeah, just... They, like, like snapping their fingers while they're kicking the crap out of this kid. He's been a <laughs> just, massive really... boon! Just, just kicking him in the stomach, just be like, He's been a massive boon for conservation efforts for years! Species still live because of him, you fuck! <laughs> I like the idea of just, like, one, like, an entire high school. Just, there's just a line around the block. <laughs> To just, as just teachers turn a blind eye as people are just beating <laughs> the, the like, shit my, out of my friend Zach. The vice vice principal just runs over, break it up, break it up, and then just looks down and just like starts kicking it. Yeah. Like, like, instinctively. I don't even know. <laughs> this I, is just instinct. I didn't know that my school could spawn such evil. You are expelled on the spot. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Okay, good. That's good. Good stuff. Uh, to today's episode, uh, I'm I'm glad that you got your um, glad you got your ring back. There's a very good chance that it's gone through a kangaroo's digestive tract. I, I was about like, to say this. You are, you are almost certainly this like covered in kangaroo shit particles right now. I, uh, yeah, some the next time somebody is like, "Ooh, I love your wedding," I can be like, "Thank you." It was in a kangaroo's small intestine. <laughs> it has passed all the way through a kangaroo named Loki, and then was fished out. By a uh, by an intern, to definitely making minimum wage. Mm, if we're talking Carol Baskin shit. That's probably a volunteer, dude. Yeah, no, yeah. I think so, somebody working their way through veterinarian school. Uh, let's talk about our episodes of TV today. Uh, we have uh, season five, episodes twenty one and twenty two. Episode twenty one, uh, Barney runs for sheriff. Uh, episode 22, if I had a quarter million, fuck dude, you know what you mentioned? We, it'd be great if we had a, a Gordon Ramsay sound effect earlier. I really wish we had that for the quarter million one. I'll explain why later. Let's do episode, the first episode. We'll do the more interesting one first. These are both directed by Alan Rafkin and get used to hearing Alan Rafkin's name. Cause he directs like 80% of the next season. So we'll start with. All right, we're going to start with Season 5, Episode 21, Barney Runs for Sheriff, originally airs February 8th, 1965, written by Dick Powell uh, and directed by Alan Rafkin. And here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney ends up running against Andy for Sheriff when a new job offer for Andy falls through. So, I want to tell you... This is one where, like, the I think the episode itself is fine. I actually kind of like the episode. It works well as an episode of TV for me. But the meta-narrative that you and I love so much is 
fascinating on this one. I mean, um, I am going to say, I think, independent of, of any context, I would say that this is one of the saddest episodes of television I have ever seen. If you read into it even a little bit, like, it is, it is like an episode of The Leftovers. Like, it is just, br- like, there should just be, like, sad piano playing through all of the back of it. Yeah, so, give me the one-sentence summary on Wikipedia over this. Barney ends up running against Andy for sheriff when a new job offer for Andy falls through. I mean, yeah, does it, isn't that horrible? <laughs> oh, that, I'm so glad we paid for that soundboard. It re, yeah. It's really coming through. It's already we, paid for itself with one sting. Yeah. <laughs> Just, again, Barney runs against Andy for sheriff after Andy's new job falls through. Bleak, right? It's bleaker in execution. So let's let's talk let's talk this one through. I think we're gonna do beat by beat for this. Uh, first off, r- right off the bat, racism. Oh the yeah. First line. The first line is just mildly racist, but like we're fading up on uh we're fading up on the episode, so we're not even fully in focus yet. And we hear Barney's getting angry, and he's like, "There you go again." Yet every month you pull up stakes and move just like an Arab. Yeah. Uh, and I think what that means is that, like, Arabs were known for having traveling caravans. Like, they, they had tents and things. They yeah. were nomadic. They were thought to be a ob- migrant people, I guess. Which is obviously not true. Arabs have, you know, there are Arabic cities. There have always been Arabic cities. They have settlements just as everyone else. Uh, some settlements in particular were getting really interesting around the ni- time of 1965 um <laughs> but let's so so that aside uh we are talking about continuity because i think the writers realized oh we've already done this but andy says look that was three months ago i was gonna move to raleigh and i didn't take the job and uh barney yells yeah you're not taking this job either so we're we started kind of in media res here uh, we find out that Andy has been offered a job, not a law enforcement job. He's been offered a law a job from um, a, a hunting guy, a, a hunting buddy, a guy named Ed Crumpacker. Which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Ed Crumpacker from Saint Paul, Minnesota. So a guy that he's friends with is uh, trying to pull some strings and get him a job in like an executive training program. So he's gonna go corporate. He's going big business. Barney is, of course, distraught by this. He's upset. You know, his buddy's leaving him. But Andy sounds almost hopeful. He's like, he's interested. He's He's awake, which we haven't seen him awake in a while. It is. He's happy. He is so happy with this prospect. He's really excited about this next phase of his life because he's talking about it. Be like, and, you know, like they get they have offices all over the world so they could place me in like Europe or South America like it and he's like really enwrapped in it and um uh like and Barney is just like like shooting it down and he's like basically throwing everything he can to guilt him at about it is like like what about the kids like they won't want to like live in a new place and Andy's like they're cool with it 
Um, not the kid. The kid. I, I like. Or, I, I, sorry, I like how you said the kids, but one of those kids is Aunt B. Yes, I think basically. that's. I think that's accurate because Aunt B has not been portrayed as an adult woman for at least a season or two. Yeah, she is you know. functionally one of his children now. Um, but yeah, it's like yeah, Aunt B and Opie, they're totally cool with it. And um, Barney says like, "Well, what about the big one? What about her?" And Andy just goes like. Well, we're I and he goes like, well, you you know how that is, and I thought the explanation was going to be like, she knew this wasn't that serious. She'll be happy to see me off, but instead he's like, I'll send for her. Basically, he's, like he said, maybe I'll send. This whole breakdown is very weird because like they don't. It takes him forever to say Helen. He's like, yeah. what about her? Her who like they, they act like she's Voldemort. Yeah, like you should be able to see to say your girlfriend's name. Uh, and then Andy, like, with the most wishy-washy, non-committal bullshit I've ever heard, was like, well, you know how things are going, and if things kept going this way, then maybe I would send for her. I would yeah. go, and then I'd send for her to move here. And this I gotta be honest, man, I think I, I think I actually prefer Barney's outright cheating to this bullshit, wishy-washy, like, is she my girlfriend or not shit that... That Andy's been pulling for, like, a year and a half. Marty, they're just fucking. Like, they're fucking. They clearly, they like each other, but they're just hooking up. And he would bet, he would probably be like, yeah, if, like, if he gets there and he's like, I miss Helen, he'd be like, hey, do you want to come live in South America with me? And he's kind of like, but she'd probably say no. Like, she probably would not want to move to South America with me, but I'd ask. It it kind of seems like one of those things, like, they're just putting up the, the hints of a relationship for the sake of propriety. And it feels like a lot of this stuff is done for the sake of propriety. Keep that in there. So anyway, Barney's already tried to guilt him with Helen, and that's not working. He Barney says, oh, you're going to send for her. You're going to send for me, too? Or am I going to stay here and be sheriff? And that's when Andy, like, reveals something that shows that he's serious about this. He says, well, you might as well run, Right. I'm supposed to file the papers for re-election in the next couple days, and I wasn't gonna, so someone not to, right? And so that's the crux of this episode. And, Andy and I, is not filing for re-election. The ballot, like... And Andy says, if you ran for sheriff and you won, which you would win because nobody else is gonna run, you would make more money and be able to get a house, probably. Barney immediately just switches off. All objections to Andy leaving, everything he put out there, like the whole 12 years of friendship thing, done. He's just like, oh shit, yeah, I can make more money. Fuck yeah, get out of here, bro. He literally tosses his hat in the ring. Except, I want you to keep in mind that, and this is in continuity, right? A couple of months ago, Barney, at that same time that Dan, or at that same time that Andy didn't take the job in Raleigh, Barney also decided, I don't want to fucking be sheriff. Yes. He was sheriff for a couple of days, and he had a miserable time, and he hated it. And we know that that is, that that is true because of the line that we heard before. So these, these are in continuity with one another. So what we're about to witness is a competition between two men for a job that neither of them want, but they yeah. both have to appear as if they do. Yes. Um, so Andy does not file for re-election. Barney does. Next scene, we're on the front porch with Andy and Barney and Aunt B. And Aunt B, uh, again, some more mild racism here, is worried about the prospect of going to South America for the strange things they eat there. 
Motherfucker, I've never been to South America, but here's what I do know they do. Meat. Yes. <laughs> they make so much meat. Like they they'll just, you know what you know what you'll eat in South America? Half a pig. <laughs> yeah. Like an entire half a pig. There you go. Uh, I, I I think her and she's talking about like bringing canned food and like basically thinking that they're going to be living in a jungle. Um and guys, uh much much like Barney, she doesn't realize that brown people also have cities and settlements. Yes. She <laughs> thinks that they're going to be like moving to like an like a a village with huts basically. As opposed to like Rio de Janeiro, which is like a burgeoning tourist attraction at this point. Yeah. You know, in the 60s. Like Acapulco uh is also like a a tourist. People are going there, movie stars are going there all the time. Which, she's not anti-going, but she's basically planning, like, well, I have to pack enough food to feed us for three years. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna have to live off of canned carrots uh, until we move back to America. There's just another bit there. Andy corrects her and says, like, they have, uh, they have meat, beans, tomatoes, just the same stuff we eat here. He mentions tortillas. Opie doesn't know what a tortilla is. He confuses it with a tarantula. Does they eat those big spiders? And, like, no, that's a tarantula. That said, I know some places in Brooklyn where you can eat a fried tarantula, and oh I'd try God, that. I would destroy a fried tarantula. I would go to town. I, I imagine it's like a soft-shell crab, right? I got no problem with eating bugs. Yeah, oh! Like, like, I've had crickets before. Like, they're like a little crunchy snack. I got no problem with eating bugs. I, I Dude, cr- crickets with, like... Have you, like with like a light dusting of like like buffalo sauce or not buffalo yeah, sauce, dude. Like buffalo powder like the or po- something? The powder, yeah, yeah. Man. yeah, man. I like so it with the good. ranch seasoning. It's really good. It's good. Uh, you know, like if you offered no me like, hey, do you want a thing of Doritos or do you want a thing of crickets? I'll take crickets every single time. Like like three of the four, like three of the best things to eat are like shrimp, crab, and lobster. And guess what? Those are bugs. Yes. Just because just because they come from the ocean, don't make them not bugs. Yeah. No, it, which which I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dovetail this back in. Do you remember when Andy refused to eat snails? Yes. Do you remember season two, Andy, who like threw a fit about the idea of eating fancy French snails, which didn't make any sense because canonically Andy's been to France. That's such a huge departure. The growth, the character growth that's happened here from that dude who was like, eh, I don't want to eat snails, even though I eat crawfish all the time, and that's equally as gross. Uh, if not more, to this guy who's like, yeah, I want to go check some stuff out. <laughs> I am going to disagree with you on the matter of uh, it being character growth. I think it's more along the lines of like, yeah, I'll eat some fucking snails. Just get me the hell out of here. Like, what do they? What do they? I'll eat? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll count it. <laughs> what do you? What My... do you want me to eat? Do you want me to eat some salamanders? I'll go to. I'll go eat some salamanders. I don't give a shit. Get me the fuck out of here. My standards for what qualifies as growth is so low, dude. This show has been in stasis for yeah a hundred episodes. I'll count it. I will fucking take it. Yeah. All right. Where you so, read but, growth, I read desperation. And that's why what's about to happen is so fucking sad. Uh, is Andy goes inside real quick and he gets a phone call, and it's Ed Crumpacker, and we can hear the other half of the conversation. We can hear Andy saying, uh. Oh, yeah? Job went to somebody's cousin, huh? Well, all right. I guess that's, you know, my, that's, all right. You know, I don't know how well I do outside of Mayberry anyway. Small town and all. 
Okay, thanks, Ed. And he hangs up, and like I, I felt this is the most I've ever felt for this for this yeah. character. Like I, because I know that dude. I know that fucking feeling where you think something good's gonna come your way and it just gets ripped out. You have a it's, job that sounds so fucking perfect and yep. it's like in the bag you're gonna get it. It's people have like promised you like you're gonna get this job. It's gonna change your fucking life. Here's everything about it. There's a fucking foosball table in the break room. Everybody punches out at two. Yeah. Like it, it, it's heaven. Like you're gonna make so much money and 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 basically like and nobody else wants it it's only you it's you got this locked up and then at the this last is second, really this is getting really really specific i mean i've had this happen to me like 15 fucking times oh for sure for sure yeah, like, yeah. like this 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 is at least 10 times in my life has, has this rug been ripped out from under me and it hurts every single time and the one mm. the ones that always like hurt the most is when it's like yeah, the the CEO's nephew got it, or some shit like that. Like when it is I mean, like, fuck. You know what? At least Andy's, at least Andy's buddy has the decency to give him a phone call. Yeah, right. Today, today we just ghost you. Today we just like, yeah, buddy, you got it, and you do five interviews, and then they just disappear, and they stop taking your calls, and they block your email address. Yeah, <laughs> like the the worst one. It's I'd say it's worse when um, it's actually like. Like, listen, you were our only choice. Everybody in the interview loved you. But um, then at the last second, Jesus Christ uh, came by the offices and we were like, what's up with this guy? Let's give him the job. It's like, like, oh, this absolute like master of the universe uh, happened to like be just walking by the building and we hired him. Like those ones are way worse. That's a, those are the worst. Those are the worst. I imagine, though, if Jesus Christ reappeared for this job, I think there would probably be some vacancies at the company. If Jesus Christ comes by the company, uh, you're actually going to wind up with, like, a 40% downturn in staff, uh, <laughs> is my understanding. Suddenly, he, suddenly, a lot of positions are going to open up. He rolled in. He raptured our secretary. Just, like, just pointed a finger, sent her to heaven real quick. Uh, and it's we good were for her. Like, she deserved it. Yeah, it was like we were all like, Whoa, we're all very happy this guy's for her. Got a great energy. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, he sent Bill from accounting to his eternal reward, and we were like, "What? We gotta hire this dude." Long story short, we found our new community manager. Yeah. Say hello to JC. And we, you know, we have like community happy hours and we were like, well, let's just go to Jesus Christ, our new social media manager, and he'll turn some water into some wine. So, you know, that, so we can't give you the job. Sorry, you were super qualified. Fucking, yeah. So this hit, I mean, even if I, I, it wasn't emotionally resi uh, resonant as somebody who had tried to find a job during an economic depression, it would still hit because Andy Griffith, the actor, to his fucking credit, just sells the shit out of the defeat. Like, he has one, he has just this walk from the living room to the porch, and you hear, you see Aunt B hearing the conversation, and just her just go like, oh, fuck. And he just walks slowly out, and there is just, like, a weight to him. Like, there is now an anchor around his neck. Because he sits down, and he's just like, I didn't get the job. And also, I just gave up my fucking job. And, and he, he is talking about it, and he's like, 
he told me to not quit my job until I fucking had it, and I got excited, and I didn't listen, and now I am fucked. So in addition to that, he's like, we're going to lose the house. I'm going to have yeah. to start working at the grocery store. I mean, I think I think you're reading a, a like a, a lot into the performance. It feels like a lot of, for me, I didn't read that because it felt like it hadn't really hit him yet. Like he hadn't gotten to that stage of uh, of grief yet. Because he just kind of seems like, well, this sucks. And when Barney calls it out later on, he's he's like, well, I'll, I'll figure something out. I'll figure something out. And I think I know why, right? I think I know why he's not in that, like, despondent, oh, no, what am I going to do thing? He's already kind of made his peace. He had enough time to make his peace with not being sheriff. Yeah. Right? So Barney offers to to withdraw from the the ballot but andy says you can't do that it's state law the ballot's been printed and you're the only one available for it uh you're the only one so you can't withdraw legally you can't and barney's like that sucks man and andy's like yeah i'll figure something out i'll figure something out he's not that upset at losing his entire livelihood i i think when he says i'll figure something out he really means it uh, because I don't know if you remember, 15 minutes ago, he was up for an executive position at a big company with yeah, no experience, no experience whatsoever. He's been a sheriff for 12 years and I guess those are transferable skills. Um, uh, he, he'll just be, he'll just call up like a different hunting buddy and be like, Hey Bill, do you still need an executive salesperson at your boat company? Yeah. Yeah. I want it. All right, cool. I'll see you in a little bit, man. Real quick, before we uh, move on from this, uh, I searched Jesus Christ on LinkedIn to see if I could connect with Jesus uh, while we were talking about that. There are 1,600 results. Uh, LinkedIn, just real quick. I'm going to do this too. So here are some of my favorite favorite headlines or like titles for people who are named Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ, student at Temple University. Good for you, Jesus. (laughs) Getting Jesus that MSW. <laughs> Jesus Christ, delivery specialist at Amazon. Uh, Jesus Christ, the prophet, but prophet is spelled P-R-O-F-I-T, like like money. Uh, I, my favorite one here is definitely Jesus Christ, content creator at YouTube. <laughs> I'm seeing Jesus Christ, head of state at Godlandia, America. That's the number one. That's number one. I left that one alone. It seemed a little too obvious, but... Yeah. Or do we have to bleep these? <laughs> Are we doxing people? I mean, you can... We're Google. not doxing these people! Their names... They put the... Jesus Christ... It's obviously a fake name. Yeah. As I, yeah. I don't think any of these people are actually named Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Okay, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, head of state at Godlandia. Um, experience, president of Godlandia, America. Head of State of Russia, all caps, the Kremlin government, from May 2023 to uh, to present. President of Egypt, uh, Egypt in all caps. Head of State of Jesusia, the continent, the Jessian government. And Head of State at Italy. Uh, Location, the Italian government. Uh, uh, I found I found Jesus Christ Prime Minister at Australian Government Department of Education, Skills and Employment. Um, 
I think that might be an actual guy. I think that maybe there might have been like a low-grade Australian politician whose name is Jesus Christ. Uh, and I, I will say this, uh, his LinkedIn picture uh, appears to be an oil painting of Danny DeVito. So, oh. Jesus Christ, Australian Jesus, we're on board with you. Jesus Austra- Christ. Australian Jesus could get his, his wedding ring back from a, a kangaroo. Jesus Christ is about to slide into my LinkedIn messages and ask me for a job. That is going to happen. Be like, hey, man, I saw that you were looking at my profile. Do you need a messiah at your company? I mean, the one that's a, a student at Temple University, like we could we could see that guy on the street at any time. So Barney uh, launches a plan later on that day uh, at the Taylor's house. He's got everybody in town there uh, for a meeting. Uh, there's a bit of him trying to, like, go over who's gonna be in charge of saying things. Floyd and Goober are there doing Floyd and Goober things. It's all very dumb. Blah, blah, blah. The whole point of this is Andy comes in and Barney announces that they're going to do a write-in campaign. Uh, trying to push everybody to write in Andy Taylor for Sheriff. And he's going to be... Uh, pushing that as well so he's not going to campaign for himself and and i i I do want to like the the way this happens is barney is like organized everybody to sit in andy's living room so that they can kind of do like a an intervention like an intervention slash surprise party but like barney is sitting at a table with a gavel and everybody is just gathered around and, and then andy walks in and they're like surprise we're gonna save your job and you can see like Andy kind of being like touched by this. Like he's like, Oh, okay. These people care. Like that's good. He's he's touched, but I want to say this. He never says, thank you for doing this for me. I'm so happy. I get to be sheriff again. What he says is, well, if you guys want me to, I will, I guess. Like he's very clearly already made up his mind. I think, you know, Ed Crumpacker job aside, fucking Crumpacker, Crumpacker Industries job aside, uh, Crumpacker Incorporated, uh, Crumpacker Industries job aside, I think that he'd already kind of made up his mind. I think the fact that, like, let's all read into this. The fact that he didn't even bother to file paperwork should tell us all we need to know. Like, yeah. He, he's, doesn't, he's not interested in it. I, I actually, and, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, the whole like this whole series makes makes so much sense when I realized I don't think this dude ever wanted to be sheriff. I think it was just like a thing that he fell into. Like if yeah, you, if you never leave your town that you grew up in, sometimes you just fall into a job. Like it's your, you know, sometimes you go to work for your wife's uh, your wife's dad, and I guess that's what you do now. You sell shoes. That's it for you forever. And I think I, like, I, if if you're the most capable person in your zip code, eventually you're just going to end up the fucking sheriff, I guess, because it's the highest position of authority in the town. Since apparently there is no mayor anymore. Yeah. Later on, the moderator of a sheriff's debate is Floyd for yeah. some reason. There's no mayor to this town. There's no governor to the governor or meant to this town to speak of. So, it is existing in a state of anarchy, basically. So yeah, I I don't think I don't think Andy ever wanted to be sheriff and when you look at it that way this whole show makes way more sense yeah like what we've all been screaming at him do your job and he's like i have never wanted to do anything less 
I like I just kind of ended up doing this and now I have to keep doing it or all these idiots will drown in the lake. They'll all just like accidentally form a suicide cult. I have so many questions. I I need the gritty, sexy CW Andy Griffith reboot prequel. I have so many questions about how this man wound up here. I I I have so many questions now like we know that he had a steady girlfriend in high school. Uh, who moved away to to Chicago and he didn't go with her and he had a second chance with her and he blew it. Um, and sometime after that, he must have had another girlfriend, presumably somebody else that he went to high school with who became Opie's mother. We do not know what happened. So they were together and now she's presumably very dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he just... I, he fell into being the sheriff, and I guess that's just been where he's at, been, at been forever. Oh my god, it's all being, like, he's he, he's just now getting over his, his wife. Yeah. He's just now, like, he. it's been years, and so he's just been running through the motions because of his, his wife died. His wife died, presumably. I mean, his, okay, his, we, his, season his, one, we had the theory that Andy used to be a con man. And my my theory is, lived in Mayberry went and was like a, a con man in uh in like Kansas City like he was like hot hand griffith like hustling at pool and ripping right, people right. off and running petty scams and then he season, goes, season 1 Andy was attentive and liked to do stuff was a scoundrel though like a little yeah. rapscallion was um, was active yeah so he is a con man then he gets drafted goes to war comes back finds out he has a son and his uh, the girl he knocked up is dead. Um, comes back to be a father. Um, becomes sheriff just because it's like, the fuck else are you going to do if you're the smartest person in town? Um, is happy for a little bit, but also doesn't really give a shit about being a sheriff. And then slowly becomes increasingly entangled in this place until he uh, is in this situation. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm going to buy it. That's my Point unifying is, theory of all I like, of our. I like the theory. I like 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 all of our things are put, are coming together. I like that. I like that we put that in there. Uh, and he's also given up the con, obviously, because he hasn't pulled a good con in ages. Yeah, he's uh, he finally got all that out of his system. Uh, you know, he's he, he's trying to go straight, and now he's bored. Like, yeah, and he's hoping that like I don't know maybe if he goes even more corporate it'll fix things, but it's not working out for him. So point is. The dude does not want to be sheriff. And if you remember correctly, Barney does not want to be sheriff either. So we have an election going on between two guys who do not want this job, but have to keep up the appearance publicly that they do. So they begin the campaign. Uh, They go to Floyd's. By the way, um, Howard McNear apparently fully recovered. He's up and walking about throughout this episode. Um, Good for Howard. Uh, He... Go to Floyd's, um, and there's a bit about the campaign strategy being win with Taylor, and it's easy to spell Taylor, it's hard to spell Fife, there's a lot of ways you could do that, it's dumb, whatever. But Um, you can see, like, kind of the seeds of resentment getting sprinkled into Barney's brain, because Floyd is just basically like, oh, nobody's gonna vote for Barney, everybody's going to, like, vote for Andy, and Barney is like, well, he's a write-in candidate, I'm on the ballot, and Floyd is just like, not a problem. Won't yeah. be an issue. And this this happens a couple of times. Uh, Gomer, they ask Gomer, hey, Gomer, can you tell people about the writing campaign? When they drive through the filling station and Gomer says, 
sorry, Goober. Goober says, I've already been doing that. Everybody already knows. Uh, I don't think I need to tell anybody. They all kind of know. And Aunt Barney says, well, what about the ones that are going to vote for me? And Goober just throws out, I haven't run into any. Yeah. Which is probably the funniest line Goober's delivered so far. Uh, funny in in that in that same like I sleep in a big bed with my wife kind of thing, just like just throwing it off the cuff there. And the final straw is that um, Thelma Lou, his you know Barney's longtime suffering girlfriend, says that she's even voting for Andy. Which and I I like this build up. I this works for me. This whole scene kind of works because they let it play out. They they let it develop. They don't have Barney Five. They don't have Don Knotts go off the handle and start screaming about things. Like it, it stews with him for a little bit. And I, I like this. Yeah, but and and he kind of like, so he reaches this point of him being like, well, I want some votes. I don't want to get blown out by a guy that has to be written onto the ballot. I want some people to accidentally vote for me at least. I so, feel this. I feel yeah. this. Like I. Once I, I'm so mad about this. I feel for both of these of these men right now. Yeah, I understand their their feelings. I damn you, damn you, the Andy Griffith Show for making me empathize with these dog shit characters. It's kind of uh, it's okay, so it's a really good episode. It's like just un- unbelievably depressing. So then they get to the point where Barney just like talks to Andy and he's like, "I kind of want to campaign a little bit, just you know, make sure people have an option," which is they basically. The pretext they come up with because Andy is like, yeah, 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 making sure democratic process and stuff. Yeah, yeah, d- but d- democracy. Democracy needs us both to run. Yeah, but, but basically what Barney's saying is like, I need some votes or this is going to kind of suck for me. And Andy's like, that makes sense. Absolutely, dude. I, I, I like I like the little subtext they put under there. I like that they're ta- they're talking so very American. Like, we need to do this to protect democracy. And like, yeah, yeah of course, democracy. Sure. Absolutely. And then, this is one of the best setups and punchlines that we've seen on the show. Barney walks outside, and there's a guy in a truck that is just plastered with "Vote for Fife" signs. And Barney says, "All right, buddy, you're hired." Yeah, and it's it's such a good payoff. It the build up, the payoff, it all really works for me. Um, so the next ep- next scene is uh, Barney having trying to campaign. Floyd won't put up his posters in the barbershop. Uh, there's a scene between Barney and Floyd where they talk about how business men should give campaigns to both donations or should give donations to both campaigns to keep themselves covered. And Floyd's like, yeah, bitch, I'll give you half a half price on a haircut next week. Piss yeah. off. <laughs> and you can like over the course of like these interactions, it like is like it is ceasing to be a game to Barney. Like it is it is becoming more and more serious from uh, for him of like I want to win, not for like wanting the job, but at this point just for kind of like my own ego. Like but it, right, it's kind right. of like Again. it's kind of running away from him and he's forgetting why he initially did this. Yeah, remember, this is is all pure ego for Barney. And again, for a job he declared three months ago, he does not want. Yes. (laughs) Um, So uh, (laughs) later, Andy is talking to Floyd and he's like, I told you to hang up Barney's posters. And Floyd is like, I don't want to. Some bullshit. Um, And 
Barney walks in on this and thinks that Andy is, like, interfering and conspiring to stop Floyd from hanging up his posters. And then freaks the fuck out. He does actually have that freak out where he's like, okay, game on, bitch. It's like, we're going fully. I want this job. I want to beat you in the election. Um, And and challenges him to a debate. And like I'm saying, like all libertarians, his first reaction is debate me, debate me, coward. <laughs> Face me in the in the marketplace of ideas. I will crush you under the hammer of logic. We kind of I kind of turned into the mayor of Townsville there for a second. How <laughs> <laughs> have we been doing this for so long, and we we just keep getting worse? Our Barney Fife impressions just veer the. It's like a mystery box. Like, all right, I'm gonna try to do a Barney Fife impression. What's gonna What's gonna come out? Gene Hackman? What the fuck? <laughs> like it's it's like why why how did I do like a pitch perfect Kurt Russell? I just tried to do a Barney Fife impression. Oh man, if if you could do a Kurt Russell impression, I would make you do it all the time. I, I mean. We're all very... T- now, the the best Kurt Russell I can do is just kind of talking like this. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, uh, we're all very tired. Which is just... No this one is just kind of my default cool guy voice. <laughs> so, it's debate time. As I said before, the moderator of this debate is Floyd? Why? Inexplicably. I... There is no mayor. There used to be a mayor to this town. What yes. happened to him? There's... We've had two mayors. And, well, and one of them had none. a heart attack, and the other one got mauled by a bear, and then they were after that, they were just like, this mayor thing doesn't Wait. seem like it's for us. Wait! They're having an election right now! Is Sheriff the only thing you can vote for? I think Sheriff is effectively mayor now. They've just, just dismantled just their occurred. municipal government to the point that this is the only public office that they have. That just occurred to me. This entire episode is about an election, and we never hear about anything else on the ballot. Now yeah. would be now would be the time when you should introduce a mayor. This is more <laughs> or, or maybe less a like military two guys who want to be mayor. Like, I'm, like, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. How, how did that not occur to me? What the fuck? One of Andy's fucking plan B's was probably like, oh, well, if I don't get to be sheriff, I'll, maybe I'll just become the mayor. I'll just like walk into the middle of town and be like, hey, everybody, I'm the mayor. And everybody would be like, cool, love it, into it. Like, we haven't had one of those for a hot minute. Seems like everything's been going fine, but let's give you a shot. Seems like everything's been going fine is Andy's campaign slogan. Uh... Basically. Okay, so let's, let's Barney get... Barney stands up. Pissed off Barney gets up, uh, and he has a briefcase uh with seventy-five cases of malfeasance. And I was excited because I was like, oh man, is he finally gonna say like, hey, uh Andy has never once actually recorded an arrest? Did you okay. know that we've never arrested anyone on the books ever? <laughs> but but so Barney stands up and says, I have seventy-five cases of malfeasance. Aunt B is heckling his ass. She is like, she calls, she yells like fiddle faddle. And I think yeah. at one, she's basically just like, rush the stage, break his legs. She calls him a uh, rabble rouser. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's, uh, uh, Helen says, what a disgraceful tactic. Like, like he's going like for a smear campaign. I mean, you know, he like, kind like, of. Like, like, 
Like, like, like he's trying to pull out like Swift ve- Swift Boat veterans for Fife. He's basically doing Swift Boat vet because I think he walks up and he has I have documented cases of malfeasance, which, um, you they cut to Andy and Andy looks fucking gutted because I think he was expecting Barney to say why he would be better at the job, or yeah. just or just why he would be good at the job, but I don't think he was expecting for Barney to say. He is bad at the job. Um, And also the other rushes by this like casual public backstabbing by your best friend. Who is been who has been, as he just announced, writing shit down that you are fucking up at your job. So he has. So basically, like another thing is, oh, he's been preparing this. He's just been writing down dirt on me for fuck knows how long. Yeah, I don't uh, see how you go back to being friends after this. Yeah. Like if you if one day like we were just like out and you just pulled out a list of like 20 reasons why Dan should be fired, I would be like, "Well, I, I feel like after 3 we're kind of done as friends." And just have a notebook of just like everything Dan's been wrong about for the past yeah. year and a half. Uh, just just keeping my running diary of all of Marty's faults. Uh, <laughs> just kind of been documenting them, time stamping them, keeping really meticulous notes about everything that's bad about him uh, morally, uh, intellectually, just just generally all of his failings as a man. I'm a um, good friend. I'm a good friend. Yeah, this yeah, is what good friends do. I don't have a particular plan for what I'm going to do with this. I just, I just, it, it seems like a good thing to have, right? It seems, seems like something you should have around, you know. In we case just you need all it. keep that. You know, you know, you know how Batman has plans uh, in case any member of the Justice League goes rogue. This is yeah. just my 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 in case I need to stop Dan uh, because Red Kryptonite has ex- he's been exposed to Red Kryptonite and now he wants to take over the world. That's in just why case- I've got this. That's why I got this. In case I try to blow up City Hall with Joker gas, you have you just have a list of thing times I was really wrong about movies. It's just like, it's like all right, here's here's a list of of things that Dan is sensitive about. Just yeah. in case, just in case I need to stop him from uh, committing an act of terrorism. Fuck, I'm just yelling at you. Hey, man, that dynamite vest makes your hips look even more feminine. <laughs> You're in like a hostage taking uh, scenario, and I just like w- come up to the. They hand me the bullhorn, and I'm just like, "Hey, man, remember that time that you said nuclear instead of nuclear in public, and everybody just had an awkward silence? Do you remember that? Fuck, fuck, yeah." And then somebody else right. take the shot, and then I'm, <laughs> and then yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> All right, I'm coming out. I'm coming out. <laughs> He look. He has a binder. He's gonna keep reading these off. Oh God. Yeah. So, so Barney does that. Barney Andy does looks that. Fucking devastated. But the problem um, is, the problem I'm is, I'm not reading into that. Barney. No. Andy looks horrified. And but the problem is, the the shit that he comes up with is just standard Barney Fife shit. Uh. Number one, his number one point is that traffic is really bad in this city. Jaywalking is crazy, all right? And I should remind everybody, Barney had his foot ran over twice last week. He has a point there, right? Yes. Somebody ran over, and everyone just glosses over that. Um, But Barney's like, traffic is so bad in this city because he won't enforce anything. Uh, And then he does his Barney 5 fascist bullshit, which is 
we haven't kept up with the time, so I don't have any tear gas. I don't have any, like, submachine guns. Which, hey, just real quick, why, why, Barney, do you, does a, uh, a small town sheriff's office in 1965 need tear gas? Pal, can you want to explain that one, buddy? It's 1965 and you need tear gas for some reason. I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, uh, if you follow the trend of you know, public southern sheriffing, like the name Mount Pilot had a tank, probably they fair. were just re- driving an Abrams down uh, down Main Street. So Barney is just looking at that, be like, "Can I at least get a submachine gun?" <laughs> they got to. They just ran over an eight year old in a tank with no consequences. Can I just tear gas a guy? So, so the, his his bullshit fascist thing, and then whoop. Whoop, whoop. It's the gun. Someone brought up the gun. Yeah. The this which, is this is the season where the gun thing, the reason we started this whole fucking podcast, uh, it comes up. Barney says, Did you know that your sheriff does not even carry a gun? Your sheriff which, does not carry around the weapon that allows him to discharge his duties. We have been waiting for the impassioned Andy Griffith, here's why I don't need a gun speech. We, it's the thing that we saw on, like, a fucking Facebook meme that uh, is why we started this. Still, it hasn't happened Still yet. Still waiting. Still it's waiting. not going to happen today. Doesn't happen this episode. You can, yeah, all previous uh, explanations have been like, eh, it doesn't really seem like I need one. Um, but Andy, so he brings up the gun. He, Your sheriff does not protect you. He does not carry a gun with which to keep you safe. That yeah, um, the, the root of his of his argument is your sheriff cannot protect you. Yeah. And then Andy comes up, and who boy does he fight for this job, man? Who he's really he delivers just a rousing speech, just a rousing defense. The phrases that you think uh, you hear when you hear a man who really wants a job. Uh, his, uh, his case is. Well, I've been doing this for a while, and you like me or you don't. Yeah, basically, he's like, he's right about the traffic, but, you know, like, seems like it's going okay. We don't really have any accidents, and um, I don't carry a gun. Doesn't really seem like we need one. Never really had any problems. But, you know, I've been I've been sheriff for a long time, and if you like me, then you should vote for me, I guess. I don't know. And then he, like saunters off the stage with the vibe of a man that is about to kill himself. I think, okay. Cause this, it, this, this, this speech, this speech I'm using in quotation marks that he gives here. It's like in character, it's a man realizing, Oh, this is all I can do. Like this, is, I should do this because it's all I've ever done. He's kind of realizing Oh, the only reason I do anything, the only reason anything I have works is because I live in Mayberry. Because his, his his whole argument is just that, like, it never really seemed like I needed to do any of that stuff because we live here and everything's fine. Right? So, it's like Sheriff Taylor himself is realizing, oh, shit. <laughs> it's all because It's all because I'm here. If I go anywhere else, I'm fucked. And I no, want I, I read it as I couple. I I read it as like a version of that, which is oh, I've never actually like challenged myself. Like mm. 
I've never faced any sort of adversity in this job. So like I I've gone soft, but I, I think like the big thing is basically he was like, I wanted this thing. And as the consolation prize to not getting the, my dream job, what I did get was at least my friends and family all rallying around me to help me keep my current job, showing me that they care and they want me to stay here. And you know what? That's, that's good. That's I, I like basically because he, he has like a little pick me up when they do that, where he's like, oh, okay, well at least these people care and that's good. And then he gets to the point where he's like, and now the person that, that like I trust the most just straight up backstab me. So he's basically like, even the the consolation prize is now tainted. All right. So meta narrative though, right? Don Knotts is probably already announced that he's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Remember at this point, like Andy. We don't we don't know when it happens. I want to get like an Andy Griffith biographer on the show to explain me the timeline here. But, you know, Andy Griffith, the actor, kind of seems like he wants to wrap this show up. Uh, Don Knotts, his friend, has already said, I'm gone. My movie career is taken off. Uh, and then something happens. I don't know what happens. Uh, what truck of full of money CBS backs up onto his front lawn to make andy griffith changed his mind but it kind of seems like andy griffith the man is the actor is sitting here going i don't know if i can make it outside of mayberry and remember he yeah. really he kind of doesn't he flounders for about 10 years before matlock 19 this show ends in 1968 1971 he comes back with a tv show called the new andy griffith show and it flops it yeah tanks. so he's been you know it's a decade since he's done uh facing the crowd really a decade since he's done any real acting so i think the meta narrative here is andy griffith the actor kind of being like can i make it with this can i make it can i do anything if this show ends which i think would probably re-explain why it sticks around for three more years like he knows his buddy don is gone so he's like i don't know if i can do anything but be andy taylor for a little while so i think the if i i'm just, I am. This is conjecture, but it all kind of makes sense in the timeline to me. I think this is Andy Griffith, the actor, kind of like speaking to us, coming to terms with the idea that I guess I gotta be this guy for a little while longer. Yeah. Because as as Andy Taylor, the character, is like, I guess I gotta still be sheriff because what else am I gonna do? I deeply, mean, it- deeply, deeply sad shit. Like the most human stuff I've ever seen. Hey, do you want to hear a, 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 a comment from the Mayberry fandom wiki? Yeah. All right, a fandom user on uh, March 28th of 21 wrote, After being missing for several seasons, the screen door is back on the Taylor house. You fucking apes. <laughs> <laughs> you children. Who cares? <laughs> They're just like, how? 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 Where? We're watching this once. We are we. I watch an episode of this show and then it is dead to me, and I will never watch it again, and ideally never think about it again. And we are picking up on this whole fucking meta narrative almost involuntarily. I'm not reading between the lines 
Like, I'm not, like, desperately looking for, like, what's the secret story of the Andy Griffith show? It's just kind of coming to us, like, from, like, having any sort of, like, analytical mindset. Any any media literacy whatsoever. And these people are obsessively pouring over details to the point where they're noticing whether or not there's a screen fucking door. And they're like, seems fine. Everything seems cool. Not seeing any cracks here. Like, just, they're the Andy Griffith Rerun Watchers Club. They watch the reruns whenever they they can. All they want to talk about is an extra who wears a nice dress. They call her Nice Dress Nelly, and it's like the same woman who's in the background of many shots wearing a nice dress. Like, who cares? Who cares? There's emotion on the screen. Interact with the art. Interact with the art at all. That you Do it. Built your lives around you lunatics. <laughs> just, just generally like, I don't. I, they must be watching it on mute and just being <laughs> like, they must just not have the volume on and and just be like watching the screen, just not and be like, no black people. All right. Yeah. It's okay. like, just yeah. is this uh, is, is there any in this room? No, sir. All right. Let's keep it moving. Okay. Another scene. Oh, whiteies. Okay. All right. Loving this. Woo. Oh, is that screen door back? Cool. Uh, no black people on the court on the porch. Sick. Love it. I can't fucking believe this, dude. I. Maybe I'm be- maybe I'm being a little unfair, but no, I'm not. I've I've interacted with the with this group so like from afar, studying them like Jane Goodall, and yeah, I just listen. We blame Cinema Sins a lot for the death of like media literacy, but damn, dude, it's it's always been there. Just I in- interact with the art, interact with the art, interact. I I promise you, your lives will be richer if you think about what you're watching even a little. I promise you. It can only make it's, your lives better. The modern equivalent is if Marvel lunatics were just like one day like, hey, does Captain America seem like a little sad to you in the movies? Does it seem like maybe he's a little bummed out? Yeah, if just somebody just showed that little awareness of the thing they had built their lives around. How does this all culminate is that after that like rousing speech from Andy, Barney gets up and goes, well... I don't know about you, but I'm convinced. I guess I'll vote for Sheriff Taylor. And then everyone else goes, Yay! We don't have to adapt to change. Although, at that point, I would be like, What the fuck did you do? Why are you wasting my time? Yeah. I, you, like, I, I canceled my my evening plans to come to this debate. Or, like, I got a sitter. Like, But also, like, what did Andy do just now that changed his mind? Andy gave the most, like, defeated argument. And Andy, like, was Barney like, it was a prank. Like, like I never meant it. He cannot keep you safe is a very powerful political tactic. It has been basically every Republican tactic against Democrats for the past 50 years. And sometimes it works. Like, yeah. I would say often. Often. I would say very often it, it works. It's effective, right? Using fear to win is is a good, solid political strategy. And then, I yeah, Barney's like, LOL, JK. Yeah. Never mind. 
Uh, I can't believe it. Like, it just ends so poorly. Abruptly. Yeah, like, I, that's I don't even remember. There's, is, there a, is there a stinger? I don't remember there being a stinger. I am blanking on if there was a stinger. So if there was, it was not very good. And that's it. Like, the status quo is maintained. The final joke is that some guy yells, uh, vote for Fife. And Marty's like, I told him not to go after nine. Yeah. So, um, let's just jump right to the Andy score. So, like, it, this episode, like, kind of peaks during the campaign part. That's where there's, like, dynamics at play. There's, like, emotions happening, but also it's funny. Um, the beginning is just uh, mega depressing. And then it, like, but it's, like, going really well. Like, it's funny and there's, like, pathos to it. And then it just kind of ends... And the ending is just such, like, nonsense. Just, like, an absolute lack of any, like, relationship between problem and... There's not even a solution. Just one second there's a problem, and the next second there's not. And they just didn't do the part where something happens to connect those things. And the end... So the ending sucks shit. It just isn't an ending. So, like, I think that drags down what would otherwise be a very high score for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The the rest of that stuff works out so well for me, and partly because I've built, like, a meta-narrative for myself. I'm I'm talking myself into a 7. It definitely hurts that, that, like, I watched this literally an hour ago, and I cannot remember there being a scene after the scene we just described. So that's think, that's a big strike against it, but I I still I still like this enough. Uh, it's very restrained as far as Barney Fife centric episodes go. So I think I have to put it at a seven. I think I'm gonna say a six, and if they had stuck the landing, it would have been like a nine. Um, all right, Barney meter. I think zero, right? It's I don't just think <laughs> yeah, it's it's just sadness. I'm 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 not gonna give it a point for the race for the like offhand racist line i'm not gonna give a point for that uh just because i don't think that really like i'd have to i'd have to stretch to talk about like the damage that that did um i guess you know you know i'll 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 give it a one for trafficking in stereotypes yeah Uh, yeah that's that's uh, safe you know one for the stereotypes there but otherwise yeah i think i think that the uh barney meter is 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 still pretty dusty Goober meter's a fun one though. Goober Ooh, meter, God. as as you recall, the goober meter is what we, the new one we've invented, which is a meter for how absolutely done Andy is with this. Uh, I'm gonna put it at a five because I think this one is like in resignation. Like, yeah, he's he's not um, about to grab a gun and fire wildly into a crowd, but he is like. I would say kind of by the end, a broken man. Yeah, like, he's, he's very, he's, I mean, I guess he's, he's not better. He He's happy that he gets to maintain the status quo, but man, he does not want to maintain the status quo. He does not seem happy at the end. Everybody's like, Andy is going to be sheriff. And he's like, hey, all right, cool. Yay. Like his expression is pained. I think I put it like a six. I think he's like, genuinely like i i would be if this was my friend i'd kind of be like somebody make sure they stay near andy like somebody keep eyes on andy don't let andy like be home alone for a while you know 
I, I'm not saying that this would be a better show if we did this, but like we've never seen Andy in any kind of like financial trouble. In fact, we've made fun of Aunt B for like her attempts to save money. Like I don't know if he has. I don't. It seems like his house is paid off. Like yeah, when he when when it looks like he's gonna be out of his job, he's not really desperate or worried for how he's gonna pay his bills. So yeah, uh, it's. I kind of forgot where I was going with this. Uh, because of that, it it just seems like this is just it's just a, a a job for him, and he's kind of just come to terms with just like it's ennui. He's filled with ennui. Like, he he actually used to like this. Like, he used to he like used this. To, he, he used he, to like being a pillar of the community. He so he he doesn't want the job. He doesn't necessarily need the job because it doesn't seem like he's hurting for money. It seems like he could, you know, be unemployed for a little bit and keep the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't like the job, but he's kind of going through this point where he's realizing, I don't know if I can do anything else or if I can be anywhere else. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, yeah, a five, five or a six in resignation for the... Uh, the the goober meter there. Are you having fun, it, kids? Yeah. Are you, are you having fun with this episode? You do okay. We've been talking for an hour and a half. I don't think we're gonna do the other episode. I mean, uh, uh, do you want a lightning round the other episode because yeah, it's let, fucking nothing, dog. Like. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's let's, let's lightning round the other episode. Let's 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 end this on something of a high note. Okay. Uh, next episode is uh. If I had a quarter million, cue the bare naked ladies. Here's the plot of the episode. Uh, here's your one sentence. Let's see. Originally airs uh, February 15th, 1965. Directed or written by Bob Ross. Not that Bob Ross. Uh, directed by Alan Rafkin. Here's your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney finds $250,000 from a recent bank robbery and sets out to catch the culprit. All right. So. Episode opens up. Barney gets to do his favorite thing in the world, harass a homeless guy. Uh, Real bummer. The homeless guy <laughs> is just sitting there in a top hat. Barney comes up, tells him he has to leave because it's private property. The homeless guy's objection is, come on, man, I'm just trying to live my life and not die. And Barney's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, and in the process of uh, basically trying to condemn a homeless man to certain death, finds a suitcase. They get in a lengthy argument about whether or not it's just to open a suitcase. They uh, they being Barney and Andy, not Barney and the homeless guy. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, the homeless guy stays around for a lively debate about civil uh, civil rights. Um, no, which is weird because this is the one time where Barney has taken a a, a stance like in ter- in favor of like personal rights. Because Barney is like, you don't want to, pe- people wouldn't want you going through their suitcase. And Andy is like, I'm just going to go through and look for identification. Yeah. Bar- um, and- Bar- Barney's really coming down pro-warrant on this. He's like, we have no justification to uh, to open the suitcase. Which, actually, this is the one time I think you have the most justification. If a missing suitcase shows up at the police station, yeah, man, I'm... I, I, I guess I'll turn to my leftist card because I'm going to say the, the police get to look at that suitcase. I I mean I I it, of course this is the one time that Barney accuses something of being a police state. Yes. Like yeah. Barney specifically says this is how we'll get a police state. What the hell, dude? Every other, we've gone through five seasons of you wanting that exact thing. Whatever. 
Andy goes, he takes the suitcase to Goober to uh, pick the lock. Goober apparently has one new skill. He can do that. He's a lock picker. Good job. He picks the lock. They open the briefcase. It's full of cash. Yes. It's full of cash. They have a briefcase that is full of money. Uh, it is, in fact, uh, $250,000 or a quarter of a million dollars. I don't know if you've ever watched MasterChef, but the grand prize of MasterChef is $250,000. But Gordon Ramsay never says $250,000. He always says a quarter of a million dollars. Million dollars. Yeah. A always quarter describes of a million dollars. Always describes it that way. Never says the number. I don't know why. That's why I wanted the Gordon Ramsay soundboard. Maybe I'll put it. Maybe I'll do it in, in, in post. Um, I want a John Taffer soundboard. We're doing a, a good old crime episode. They find out that uh, there's been a bank robbery recently, but the bank robber probably ditched the cash because the police were closing in at the train station. So he definitely threw the cash overboard off the train. So he didn't get caught with it at the next station. Great. Cool. Um, so Barney comes up with a, so Andy says the FBI is coming. We stay put. We're going to lock this, this up. Uh, we don't do anything. We don't do anything. Mm. We don't do anything. Uh, we're back. This is season one, episode two, baby. The feds are coming. The feds are coming. Andy wants to stay out of it. Barney's getting fucking involved. Barney wants to do a sting operation. Barney wants to do a sting operation. And to his credit, his plan works. Barney's yeah. Barney's plan is that he's going to use himself as bait and he's going to pretend like he's a guy who recently found a whole bunch of money. So Barney's plan is to like walk around town, big dick swinging, pretending like he's fully rich, uh, thinking that that's going to lure the other guy out who's going to come looking for his money. And it fucking works. He uh, arranges for this guy who thinks he's coming, like, for an underground card game. Lures him in, pulls a gun on him. His criminal informant is Floyd. Yes. He he tells Floyd to tell any strangers that come into town, if they're looking for some action, some big money action, come meet me down at the hotel, because I'm playing poker. I think that was basically, like, how it used to work, though, is, like, I think the barber was the person that told you about all the crimes, like, you would go to get your haircut and you'd be like, is there any uh, fun stuff to do in town? And your barber, would, while turning your signs, would be like, there's a brothel you should check out. Like uh, they were, uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, let, let, let's think about this. The barber was your red light district. Let's think about this. Uh, like, occupations that you trust to give you the hookup on finding some real shit. Number one, yeah. taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Cab driver, but there's no cab drivers in, in Mayberry. Number two bartender mm-hmm. but like at a particular kind of bar and if you say the wrong thing you're gonna get kicked out because he don't he thinks you're a fucking cop you look like a fucking cop right yeah right number three three i would say is barber i think barber comes in third mm-hmm. at like occupations i expect to give me uh, a link on some shit uh i'm trying to think of something i can beat barber four uh, this one's gonna be a, a, a little, uh, strange, but Garbage Man! Hmm. Garbage Man. Garbage Man know what's up. Yeah, I mean, they're, I think... they're, they're, they're always in the shit, and, like, half, and, you know, it's an industry that is, you know, often, uh, run by the mafia. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was gonna say, you talk to a good union guy, he'll know where to go. 
Uh, yeah, I'm like dock worker, but I'm gonna say number five is strip club bouncer. Yes, really, anybody that works at a strip club can tell you some places to do some cool shit. The answer is the bathroom. <laughs> it's right over there. Yes, I, if you ask a stripper like what what can I do uh, that's fun in town, I think their answer will be sit in that chair over there. Yeah. I, I guess I guess that was a bad example because like you're already at the strip club, like you don't need yeah. to ask people. At the, so well, okay, let maybe, me maybe let I, me tell you something you should do to a night that doesn't involve giving me tips. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I, I need to rethink, but off the cuff, I feel like that was a pretty good list. Yeah, I like... think I think rightfully barbers fall in significantly because I think if you talk to like a guy who cuts hair now, either it's like a crotchety old man or it's like a young hip guy. So he does the sting operation. He pulls a gun on the, on the guy. Uh, oh, and... uh, there's a, there's a, there's a plot point here where, uh, Barney has been keeping his gun in the back of his pants, like yes. at his ass crack, which in movies is a way I've seen people wear guns and it's a stupid way to wear a gun. It's a good way to shoot your, your ass cheek. Uh, which puts it right up Barney's alley. He pulls a gun on the guy. The guy talks his way out of it by saying, I work for the FBI. You must know the secret FBI handshake, which gets Barney hook, line, and sinker. Right. So it's, um, it's once again, a criminal uh, is appealing to Barney's like authority boner. I thought what was going to happen was that Barney was going to accidentally arrest the FBI guy. Yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen, uh, but that's not what happens. There is, in fact, another FBI dude who comes straight to Andy and uh, is like, I don't think I don't think you need to worry about this. It doesn't seem like this guy's going to come, but I'm, you know, I have a square jaw and a suit and it's 1965, so we're good. Um, yeah. Uh, so they they realize what's happened. I don't recall the specific circumstances around Christ, how no, it happens. Yeah, Bar- Barney gets just tricked into working with the criminal to go get the money, which is actually exactly what happened in Best Western Hotel Detective, now that I think yes. about it. It's just a this redux. This is all just Best Western Hotel Detective. It's just it's just a redux of that, but worse. Um, Meta narrative again. I think it is kind of interesting that right after that we got like a good old fashioned like stupid crime episode because they haven't had one of those in a while. So that seems like it's trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again. Doesn't really work. Um, this time Barney gets roofied. <laughs> I think yes, that's the most the most interesting is... part of the episode. <laughs> Just, he's they're drinking milk together while on a. Well, on a stakeout. A fake stakeout. And because remember, just now, so you know, the, the, the criminal is, the bank robber is pretending to be uh, an FBI agent to uh, throw Barney off the trail. And he says, let's go get the money and we're going to host a stakeout. Uh, and then he puts drugs, uh, knockout drops is what Andy calls them. In, he roofies Barney. In, in Barney's milk. He roofies Barney. He puts knockout drops in his milk. Uh, and then Barney falls asleep, and the guy's about to leave with the money when Andy and the real federal guy show up in uh in and arrest him. Yep. And uh, there's a nice little moment of Andy shaming Barney for doing some dumb shit, and then uh he goes, Barney, take that gun out of the back of your pants, and then Barney shoots 
and I'm assuming narrowly misses his ass by like a hair's breadth. I don't. How how do you how can you miss your ass when directly down the crack? Like like the the gun is perfectly t- south. The gun is touching his ass. The gun yeah. is touching his ass. Yeah. He, he is, is like magic. <laughs> he is like he has a, a a almost supernatural ability to not shoot him or anybody else. Is he with like, all his frequent misfires? Is he is he magnetic? Like, but in the way that it repels, like is, no. is he is, is he pol- a polar opposite of whatever metal is in a is in a bullet? The gun is touching. He's his like ass. long shot the from X Factor. Is touching his ass. I can't. Yeah. Get over it. How does he not? There's no way to not hit yourself. Ratings. Uh, it's just <laughs> yeah. Ratings. Uh, two. Uh, Andy meter two. Don't really give a shit. It's it's Four. the same fucking thing. I, we, we, Barney we, gets tricked. By a criminal, we've, and then we've narrowly seen it before. does not. We've seen it before. We've seen it better. Uh, Barney meters a zero. Uh, Goober meters a zero. It's just the, the if there's one thing that's it's likeable, another one. If there's one thing that's likable about this, it's that it's like, hey, we're back to this. We're we're going and back and doing and doing that kind of. Remember when Andy Griffith show used to do this kind of stuff? We're we're gonna try it out again. See if we still like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There it is. If I had a quarter million dollars, uh, not even going to adjust that for inflation. All right. Uh, as always, hey, you know what, guys? If you like this show, this and I assume that you do because you've listened to it for like ninety minutes straight at this point. Tell your friends. Tell people about this show. That's the only advertising we're doing anymore. Tell your friends that you think ratings Breaking Bear is good. Reviews. Put, do give those. Us, give do us, those. Give us the ratings and the reviews. You know. <laughs> Hey, you know how you just saw us give ratings to a thing? You should do that, but for our show, and good. like. And tell your friends to do it, even if they don't listen to the show. Just add, just tell them to do it. It would be pretty sick. Uh, Create a uh, second uh, Apple account so that you can rate and review us. Just make a duplicate. Just just do your name plus one. You're going to need it because your inbox is getting slowly filled with spam. And will eventually be useless. Yeah. So you've, you've, you've had do that. You know what? You've had the same email address since college. It's probably time to update it anyway, right? And then use that to again rate our uh, our podcast and say how dope it is. Uh, you know, go download Tinder. Go on a few dates, and uh, in 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 those dates, tell everybody you go out with that your favorite podcast is Breaking Mayberry. Yeah. And then, and then tell and then have them rate and review before the date's over. If you're not getting a second you, date, so you need to get it the first time. If you're hot, make it very clear that the only way the other person is getting <laughs> sex is if you uh is if they rate our podcast. Mm, Just don't do that one. Cut out me <laughs> saying that. Don't be a prostitute for breaking Mayberry. I mean Good night, everyone. We'll see you all down the
Doo 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 doo.